So, uh, good evening, everybody. I'm still an enthusiastic and grateful member of the Alamon family group. My name is still Richard. Still Richard. Hi, Hi Richard. Richard. Well, I'm feeling still Richard. Feel at this moment like a nervous and underprepared member of the Alamon family group. Welcome to my club. And what we're talking about today is the idea of let go or be dragged. Um, just a, a couple of quick ground rules on uh, what we're going to do here. I need you to understand that this is uh, this is not a lecture. The idea is not for me to stand up here and run through an hour's worth of, of really authoritative stuff on how to let go or be dragged. And it's uh, it's also not a meeting. This is not a sharing session. We're not going to take turns going around the room for everybody to share their thoughts on whatever it is that comes up. What we're trying to do is to, to establish some dialogue and some discussion on some general ideas. And uh, um, my job here is to try to direct that and, and, and keep things moving. Um, so if something comes up here that you feel like you've got an idea that you want to talk about, jump in, please. And if you're talking and somebody else jumps in and cuts you off, please don't be offended. Crosstalk is not only allowed here, it's encouraged. <laughs> Alan's like that. <mad. laughs> bad boy. Uh, and and uh, yeah, please don't please don't feel offended if somebody jumps in on you. Probably what happened was that you said something that got them going. So that idea, let go or be dragged. It's a really nice mental image. You know, one of the, one of the cool things in Alan on. Uh, for me is the, the metaphors and the analogies that we use and, and something came to me when I was thinking about this uh, it may not work real well for you that are way down south but <laughs> <laughs> most of you here are from Saskatchewan a lot of you I think probably grew up here in Saskatchewan how many remember bumper shining? Okay. bumper shining, yeah good Saskatchewan sport Okay, Okay, let me explain bumper shiny. I wish you would. Okay. Uh, it snows here. It does that once in a while. It snows, but it's warm, and and as a result, the snow melts, then it turns cold, and it snows again. And what happens is you get a layer of ice on the roads with this layer of snow on top, and things are really slippery and sludgy. Not sludgy, but slippery. And as a result, the cars have to go real slow, the buses go real slow. And bumper shining involves, as a kid, uh, waiting for a car to come by really slowly, jumping out behind it, grabbing the bumper. And you're like this, right? <laughs> and you're, you're following, right? <laughs> you, you get this, like, free ride. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, if you're from way down south, think water skiing. Same concept. <laughs> yeah. Very short road. Now, here's the thing. That is, uh, we're subject to Saskatchewan roads, which are not great to start with. We're, we're subject to the weather. We're subject to traffic wearing down that nice slippery layer. So you're, you're bumper shining. You're being pulled along, and all of a sudden you hit this patch of Bear Street or gravel or whatever. Now, what happens is the car's still going really slow, but your feet, you, have, you suddenly have traction there. And they go out from underneath you. And now you're going like this. Okay. <laughs> At which point you have two choices. What are they? Release or be dragged. Let go or be dragged. <laughs> now, 
the purpose of, of what we're talking about here today is, is looking at, at how that concept <laughs> applies to our lives. And one of the things that seems to qualify so many of us for these rooms is that we would rather be dragged. Or we haven't figured out that let go or be dragged equation. So I'm trying to explore that. I'm thinking, you know, what are the questions that I need to ask of Richard? Okay. Start with, let go of what? Okay. If I don't let go, drag where? where what am I going to get dragged through if I don't let go? If I'm bumper shining, I'm getting dragged through the street. Um, but here, if I don't let go of the things I need to let go of, I get dragged through a bunch of other stuff. Okay. Once I've decided that uh, I don't want to get dragged, um, what does let go mean? And how can I accomplish that? So, addressing those in order, let go of what? What are those things that, that we need to let go of? Any just general ideas. Um, one of the things that I personally need to let go of is them. All of them. Okay. When I got here, I didn't have any problems. Okay. What I had was answers. I had all of their answers. And the, the problem was they wouldn't listen. Okay. One of the things that I needed to let go of was the idea that they needed to listen. The idea that they were that somehow the the cosmic equation was that Richard has answers, everybody else has problems, Richard supplies the answers, the problems get solved, everybody's happy. That's in my head the way things should work. And that's another thing that I need to let go of. It is that 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 conviction that I carry around that things should work the way that I think they should work. Anybody? What else? What, what else do we let go of? How about people? Anybody got some uh, some person in their life who's making choices? That sound at all familiar? Very. Barb? Very familiar. Okay. <laughs> Very familiar. Barb and I had a conversation a little while back where, where we just... Um, you know, gosh darn it, it just sounded like we were we were having the same thing about ten years apart. And I'd like to share with you something from a, a book, <coughs> one, of, one of the more interesting titles in all of our Alan literature, In All Our Affairs, Making Crises Work for You. By the way, what I've given you there in the handout is, uh, is not all the stuff we're going to read tonight. We don't have that kind of time. <laughs> but just some, some selected stuff that, that I browsed and found helpful in trying to get ready to talk about this stuff. Um, one of the things that you'll find there is it's they're heavily dominated by Alateen literature. Uh, there's a surprise. <laughs> I, I sponsored uh, an Alateen group a while back, and one of the things that I found in doing that was I love the Alateen literature. And the reason that I love the Alateen literature is it's written by Alateens, for the most part. Uh, and they know how to, they get it. They, that idea of what it, the slogans we have on the wall, uh, one of them, keep it simple, they do that. They take concepts that, that are really fundamental to my recovery and they get them and they can put them into words that even I can understand. You know, and, and the rest of us, it seems like we have this 
propensity for complicating things, says the guy who just used the word propensity. (laughs) 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 We're good at making things complicated. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, so that's that's what that hand runs about, okay? Just it's it's not where necessarily where we're going today. Uh, anger, bitterness, fear, rejection, and inadequacy were the feelings I fought so hard to deny through the 26 years of my marriage to an active alcoholic who had numerous affairs. Delusion became my way of life as I forced myself to see him as I wanted him to be, not as he really was, and to maintain the appearance of the cute little couple we were so often called. I convinced myself I could live without feeling anything. The only way I knew to stop the pain. <coughs> that idea of letting go of someone else and how they should be. Um, one of the things that, that I have had to let go of. Um, I mean, a lot of people see the lady that I get to share my life with and I uh, going through these rooms and, and, and they think, oh, what a nice couple. <laughs> It wasn't always like that. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't know. (laughs) See, alcoholism is a progressive disease. And here's the way it it progresses in my life, in the family disease of alcoholism. It starts out with, I want you to be happy. Okay, and it progresses from there to... I want to make you happy. Then it progresses to, I want to make you be happy. And finally, we end up at, God damn it, why won't you be happy? <laughs> you know, <and> that's <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but that's that's where we ended up. And what I needed to let go of was the fact that it wasn't, she didn't have an obligation to be happy for me. That I didn't have the power to make her be happy. I needed to let go of those ideas. Anybody had somebody that that they needed to be a certain way? They just refused to do that. Josiah's nodding. Who'd that be? Gee, how about the daughter I just spent an hour talking to? <laughs> the daughter won't sober up. The daughter won't be sane. <laughs> There's something I can identify with. Uh, anybody else? Yeah, no. You sort of caught me napping here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who won't be right. Oh, my kids. Okay. 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 In what one? Whatever way I'm not satisfied with. I'm okay. Because I know the best. Okay, I know best. Yes. Okay. The husband who wouldn't stop drinking. The husband who wouldn't stop drinking here, yes. The, the, the husband who won't work his program the way I know he should. Oh, I love that one. Oh, that looks smart. My mother's been sober in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous for 15 years. What's that crap program? Yeah, does she do it right yet? Yeah, she has yet to do it right. You know, I'm I'm really I'm really lucky because I get to share my life with a woman with whom I get to share my program. And fortunately, fortunately, most of the time she does it right. (laughs) 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 
not sucking up. I got. I, I have to tell you that, that that lady sitting over there is an inspiration to me on a daily basis for how she works programming in face of adversity, and especially this last summer. And that's something that I will talk about because I spent this summer doing. We spent this summer doing field research for this topic. Let go or be drank. <laughs> um, this spring, um, our then 16-year-old daughter came to us one day and said that uh, uh, to look after herself, it was going to be necessary for her to remove herself from the family home. Um, uh, she'd been thinking about this for a long time. She decided she's going to have to implement this decision tomorrow. Mm. <laughs> The reasons that she gave and the way that she went about it were very, very painful for us. And uh, watching her go through this summer and making the choices that she's been making have absolutely 100% been an exercise for both of us in letting go. Um, not just letting go of her, but letting go of each other. Because you know we're, we're each of us having different levels of success in that letting go process. Some days Karen's doing real well and I'm not. And some days I'm doing okay but she's not. And for me, I can't speak for Karen, but for me, one of my biggest problems is I can handle the kid generally pretty pretty much okay. But I'm a really codependent guy. And every time my her gets upset, uh, that that is hard for me. And I need to let go of that. So what it comes down to for me is I'm going to come up with this, this criteria for what are the things that I need to let go of. Okay, Anything that I can't control. First criterion. Now, there's lots of things that I can't control that are not a problem. So it's anything I can't control, and it impairs my serenity or gets in the way of my being happy, joyous, and free. So, if you got those kinds of things in your life, this is a process. This is a concept that probably bears some scrutiny for you. Drag where? What are the consequences of not letting go? My life becomes unmanageable. My life becomes unmanageable. Uh, with terrific point, <coughs> I refer you to the Alatina Data Time. <coughs> the first step tells me I'm powerless over alcohol. What it does to the person who drinks it or how much he drinks. In fact, I have no control over any other person. If I'm spending a lot of my time trying to control others, then I'm letting my own life get out of control. My life has become unmanageable. See what I mean about the kids? Put it better. Okay. What else? But in terms of unmanageability, what else do I get dragged through? One of the things that I get dragged through is someone else's emotions. Um, page 54 of that same little red book. The alcoholic drinks and the drinking causes unacceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for that behavior. I'm responsible for me. That means I don't have to feel guilty when others are trying to blame me for the way they feel or act. If they're fighting, I don't have to fight. If they're screaming and yelling, I don't have to join in. I can try to understand them, but I don't have to feel the way they feel or do what they're doing. <coughs> Anybody remember that game? You know, I, I, I talked about how <coughs> when we were at our worst uh, when I was at my worst, I really only had three possible responses to a negative situation, right? to, to you not being okay. I, I could try to fix it, 
I could run away or I could join you. Okay, fix it. You're upset. Well, you shouldn't be upset. <laughs> Let me explain to you why you shouldn't be upset. <laughs> and I set about to change your reality. Uh-huh. And how disrespectful is that? Alternatively, join you. Okay. You, you, remember, you remember that one? Walk in the house, something's wrong. Okay, who are we mad at? Right? <laughs> and now I'm joining you in your emotions. And the game I play is that I'm, I need, you know, if you're angry, <coughs> I need to join you in that anger. I need to be angry at the same people. I need to be just that little bit more angry to show my support for you. The problem with that is that I'm not a great judge of how angry you are. So sometimes you're really angry and I'm not angry enough and I'm not being supportive enough. And, you know, damn it, why aren't you ever supportive? Of me? On the other hand, sometimes you're just a little bit angry and I'm going volcanic. <laughs> on your behalf. And, you know, and you're looking at me like I'm from another planet. Right? <laughs> so that wasn't a fun game. Uh, what else do we get dragged into? Sometimes participating in something that isn't part of your life. Like you might come from work. Mm-hmm. And there might be a couple of three drugs that you're having just a little fine. And it's hard to let go when that's right there in your face and in your house and in your life. It's, I don't know, to remove myself physically or join in? <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I find myself in a situation where not only am I accepting unacceptable behavior, but I'm enabling it and I'm encouraging it and I'm hosting it. Is that, is that what I hear? Yeah, or else you uh, don't join in and then you're the wet blanket. I used to feel like this is the situation. More and more, I just don't care, and I do what I want to do. So most of the time, that external stuff that I get dragged through is is their emotions, their thinking, their insanity, their disease. But you know, there's a whole realm of internal stuff that I also get dragged through because you know um, the, the vast majority. Uh, any problems that I've ever run into, particularly since I got into recovery, seem to occur in one specific location. Here. <laughs> okay? So I get I get caught up when I don't let go of things. I get caught up in, in fear. It's like, oh my God, what happens if I get home and and the kids have made this big mess and then she gets home and she's going to see that this mess and, and she's not going to like it. Or what happens if, if they find out how I screwed up over here and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm doing the, the uh, contingency plans? Everybody, anybody ever done the contingency plans? He said, okay, if they know about it, I'll say this. If they don't know about it, then I'll do this and I'll, I'll, I'll quietly hide this over here. Right? Now, as long as I'm doing that stuff, how much am I participating in my life? You know, I'm too busy planning for the, for the maybes. And I make big problems out of little ones. Okay. Uh, one day at a time in Al-Anon, page 258. Setting our goals too high can lead to frustration and worse. The perfectionist, clinging stubbornly to her ideas of what life ought to be, often has difficulty <coughs> grasping both the acceptance and detachment elements of the Al-Anon program. She demands too much of herself and the alcoholic partner. This compulsive drive for perfection, 
An unrealistic idealism can be a neurotic symptom as difficult to deal with as the alcoholic's compulsion to drink. Does that sound familiar? That that weird thinking is as hard to stop as it is for the alcoholic to stop drinking. It makes big problems out of little ones, increases our despair when things don't work out as we hope they will, and hampers us in coming to terms with life as it is. I'm no longer a participant in my own life because I'm too busy focusing on what I think are the problems. Crisis and drama. When I don't let go of how things should be, they have a a tendency to get just a wee bit dramatic. (laughs) Anybody got some experience with that, Ellen? (laughs) Drama is my middle name, you know. Yeah. But generally, the drama has been around my daughter Mm -hmm. and me buying into her drama and adding my drama to the situation. Then she's fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm the one still wringing my hands and gnashing my teeth. And and isn't that... I told a story once uh, at at a roundup. Um, (coughs) It was a couple of years back. my, My middle daughter... Uh, was a wrestler and uh, dating another a guy on the wrestling team and they're just a couple of fun, lively terrific kids I went to pick her up uh, at his place, drive her home one night and they were just quiet they were just really, really quiet and I need, what I needed to let go of was the idea that they needed to always be happy in public, but no, but what I do is I, I catch that they're withdrawn and I start thinking. Okay? <laughs> Dangerous words in Alan, I started thinking. <laughs> and it the thought came to me. I wonder if she's pregnant. A logical week. Let me tell you that within within twenty four hours, in my head, I've She's pregnant. We're having this talk. It's, honey, we, we love, I want you to know we love you. We made a mistake, but you know, it's not the end of the world, and we'll get through this together. And I'm really proud of, of how I'm handling that. <laughs> now, imagine my reaction when I found out that what had actually happened is they had a particularly hard wrestling practice. They were just really tired. <laughs> Another thing that happens uh, when we uh, when we don't let go, when we have to control the people around us, they react to that. You know, it talks about it in, in, in the AA Big Book, the third step. It says, you know, we step when we close our fellow's name, and they react. Um, sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we very find that sometimes it does made decisions based on self that later placed us in a position to be hurt. Okay? That's the grown-up version. Alateen, a day at a time, page 317. When I came to Alateen, I spent a long time learning how to detach from the alcoholic. But I found out there were other people I had to detach from as well. I was a controller, obsessed with the idea of taking care of everything and everyone. I'd always thought the members of my family were too weak and stupid to do anything. So I took over. <laughs> That's not like anybody you know. In school and around the neighborhood, I organized everything and dictated the rules because I was sure no one else knew how. <coughs> when I started to lose a lot of friends and my family began to react to me, I realized how much harm I was doing. 
I wanted to stop controlling other people before I ruined the few relationships I had left. One of the things I get dragged through is impaired relationships. Um, the way I like to describe that is another of those progressive results of my disease is that my world gradually gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And like I said, like I've said many times, when I got here, you know, my world had got down to me and the woman who was the center of my obsessions, and she was leaving. Now, we have this process that we talk about in these rooms. We define the problem, define the solution, adopt the solution. That's essentially what we've looked at here so far. What are you like, oh, what's the problem? It's things that I can't control and it drives me crazy that I can't control them. What's the solution? Stop trying. Let go. What does that mean? What, what does letting go look like? Well, sometimes it means just not rising to the bait. Alcina data time. Page nine. When I go fishing, I have to bait the hook in order to catch a fish. I don't always get one, but as long as I get a nibble, I keep rebaiting the hook. When I don't, I pack up and go home. Since coming to Alatine and finding out about how alcoholism, finding out about alcoholism and its effects on the family, I realize I often feel like the fish, and I'm learning not to take the alcoholic's bait. Whenever I'm tempted to say easy, whenever I'm tempted to, I say easy does it. Remembering if I open my mouth to bite, there's a jagged hook hidden under the juicy bait. I, lo- I love the visual <laughs> that we had a little bit earlier tonight because it got it reminded me of this. And then I ask myself how important is it? If I swim past the bait, I can get a clearer picture of the man at the end of the line. He doesn't seem like such a monster after all. Instead, he looks sick. If I dodge the bait, the man often packs up and leaves me alone. Even if he stays, I feel safe knowing I've been good to myself by keeping myself off his book each day. Sometimes letting go is as simple as not hooking on in the first place. Not rising to the bait, not letting my buttons get pushed. Anybody got, got a thought around that, an experience? I just keep my mouth shut. What a novel thought that is. <laughs> so, sometimes I'll talk to uh, the guys who phone me on a regular basis about the big red abort button. Mm. <laughs> and, like, this is the way it works in my head. Is uh, getting into that, that conversation, and I, I can see it going in that direction that every other time it's gone in that direction. It's ended up as a train wreck, and it's like this slow motion train wreck in my head, and I can see it happening. And it's a disaster, and it's coming, and I start to get anxious. And what, what I have is this button. It's about right here. It's about this big. And it's big and it's red. It's labeled abort. <laughs> okay. And what happens is, in my mind, the alarms are going off. Like, like something out of a movie in the submarine. Aruga! Aruga! And that's my cue to reach up and hit the big red abort button. Now, sometimes hitting the big red abort button amounts to saying... <coughs> I really don't know how to respond to what you're saying. And I need some time to sit with it. And um, I've got to go out and I will be back in a couple of hours. And if 
talk about this some more. But I need to get out of that conversation and not get not get hooked into what's going on right that second. Sometimes it's talking to a kid who I know, I know, is trying to get me to go in a different direction, trying to get me to run And and it's saying, no, I'm not prepared to discuss that with you. Let's talk about how you did it school today. But whatever it is, hitting that big red work button gets me something else. Sometimes it's just, uh, I gotta go. Because <laughs> sometimes that's just the best I can do. But even that is better than the result that I historically would have done because, because it, always at the end of that path is me losing my temper and saying something that I'm going to have to go back and make amends for later and I hate making amends. Anybody had beat they didn't they didn't latch onto? Mm. Another example of that is uh, one of my worst defects of character that need to be right. Something I need to let go of. I have a brother. Some of you know. And the people who know left. This brother was raised in the same kind of environment I was uh, and comes to adulthood with a lot of the same issues that I do. He and I can argue for an hour. Each of us saying exactly the same thing. And we can accomplish that for one simple reason. The other guy's saying it wrong. You know? So we can get caught up in in this weird little dance for an hour. And what recovery says is I don't need to do that. I can let him say it wrong. I can let him hold on to that wrong idea. How important is it? And, you know, let me tell you, the first time that I walked away and let him be wrong was absolutely freeing to me. It was like, I, I, ended up, I had to phone my sponsor and, and, and say, you won't believe what just happened. You got anybody in your life that you have difficulty letting be wrong? Linda? Anybody in your life that, that you just have to correct? Yeah. You want to tell us who? <laughs> no? Okay. That's fair. Did that know you? You got anybody that, that has has to be corrected for their own good? Well, I can identify with arguing for an hour talking about the same thing. Yeah. You know, I've got ammunition with Ellen on and she's mm-hmm. got ammunition with what people think around her and you know, we both have the same intent, the, the same love for our father. Mm-hmm. So I, I can sort of identify with what you're saying about that. And, it, and it's, it's harder to let someone be wrong when we have that emotional investment. Mm-hmm. It's really hard when it's about us. You're trying to talk them out of that stuff. So it's one thing just to, if it's politics or something, but when it's about me. Yeah. yeah. She says that I'm the... And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Try saying you might be right to that one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't care. You might be right. <laughs> and not add another word behind you. Wow. Yeah. And, and one of the... 
one of the more recent incidents. About a year ago, um, where I work, we we have some some difficult people, <laughs> and one in particular who. who Part of my recovery has been one day at a time to to work at letting her be wrong and to to let her be who she is and uh, to to not rise to the bait and get angry with her uh, and tell her exactly what I think. Unfortunately, the area where she works and my office share a wall. <laughs> and one day. Uh, as a result of some stuff happening, I overheard her talking about <coughs> And, you know, it was one of those momentary lapses that, that uh, <laughs> I just needed to go and discuss it with her. <laughs> 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 you know, and and I, I walked through that door, firmly convinced that, that, I, that I was under control. I was just going to explain to her what, what, what was wrong with her perspective and what she needed to do. Very calmly, very quietly, inside of about 30 seconds, 30 seconds, I was a raging, drooling lunatics, foaming at the mouth, um, something along the lines of, uh, I'm trying to remember this now, uh, for two solid years, I have tried to treat you with nothing but courtesy and respect, and this is the way that you treat me, well, F you. And I... (laughs) Left for lunch, and I was I, I I wasn't even in the parking lot yet, and the goddamn ten steps started kicking my ass. Mm-hmm. Right, <coughs> it's like, ah. and I drove home, and I phoned my sponsor, and I turned myself in, <laughs> and he told me exactly what I already knew. <laughs> You're gonna have to go back and make amends. Yeah, I know that guy. And I'm driving back to the office, and I'm and I've got going on in my head, right? All of the, um, well, what if she lodges what, what, complaint? What if she does this? What if she did? Yeah, yeah, and and then it's it's, maybe we're powerless over this person. My life and my thinking become a matter. Two, do in fact believe that there is a loving higher power out there that cares about Richard, is more powerful than Richard, smarter than Richard, and it does in fact care how Richard's life turns out if he can restore me to sanity. So it's three. Made a decision to turn my will and my life and this bitch over to the character <laughs> of this of this yeah. loving higher power. HP, she's yours. Do with her as you will. I do your will. Got her back to the office. Walked through. Went back to her work area. Walked up to her. Yeah, and one of the things that got me out of the car and into the building was knowing. Well, at least I got a phone. You know. I'm going in there to make amends. I'm doing the right thing. I'm, I'm all over the And this angry, bitter, vindictive woman insisted on apologizing to me first. <laughs> so I, I even needed to let go of that image of me. You know? How can I let go? I just talked about it. <coughs> For me, the process is right is right there. Whatever the issue is, steps one, two, and three. One, 
I am powerless over my car breaking down. Because my head works that way, my life and my thinking have become unmanageable. But I am powerless. My life's unmanageable. Two, I do in fact believe there's a loving higher power that cares about Richard, can look after Richard, and can guide me in, into restoring myself to sanity and wholeness. Three, made a decision for my will, my life, and a goddamn car over to care about loving higher power. Huh. See, the way it works for me is that I need somewhere to let go to. I can't just step away. I need to know that it's in good hands. And that's the power of the second step in my life. The, uh, that idea of turning, o- turning it over. <coughs> um, one of the things you'll find in the handout is uh, there's a page there with a bunch of comments. Uh, I participated in an online meeting. I posted these questions to the guys on the, in this online meeting with the idea of getting some feedback from them to come and talk to you. And one of the guys there talks about how I can't really think of let go without adding and let God in my head. And that, at its fundamental, is, is the first three steps. Somebody else talks about doing the serenity prayer again and again and again. And how many times in meetings have we heard that the serenity prayer is just shorthand for the first three steps? Anybody got some experience with that same kind of situation? That, that oh, I don't know what to do with this. God, it's yours. You know, what, I've, what I had to do was I had to do let God and let go. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I had to put it in God's hands first. I had to make sure God had hold of it. I had to reassure myself that God not only cared about me, but God cared about these other people too, that God cared about this thing that was going on. And I had to do let God and let go. And it was like live and let live. I couldn't do that. I had to do let live and live. I had to let them alone and create a place where I could have a life of my own. And uh, But I had to do, I had to give it to God first. I had to, you know, I'm powerless. Oh, there's God. Okay, I'll give it. So that's what I've had to do. Along those same lines, or in that way, when I have to let go and let God, I've discovered one thing that I really believe works for me, too, is that I don't have to let go absolutely. Sometimes I can't. <coughs> but at the moment, for every little bit, I manage to let go of a problem and turn it over to my higher power. That's how much relief I get. Mm-hmm. There's a mathematical equation to that, but I can't remember what it is. But it's a ratio. <laughs> and then I can, the next time I can let go a bit more. And it's wonderfully freeing, because sometimes I feel like a total failure because I just can't let this go. Mm-hmm. But for every bit I let go, it works. That much. And that's, that's a recurring experience for me. That Because uh, sometimes that whole process lasts for three minutes. And then I gotta go through it again. The idea that uh, I'm obsessing about whatever it is, uh, and I'm powerless over blah. My life is unmanageable. The do I believe in this loving higher power? HP, please. I, I surrender blah to you. Whatever it is, please take it and, and show me what you would have me do. And I'm good for three minutes. And then I've gotta go through it again. And then I've gotta go through it again. My experience with that 
typically is that somewhere around the 807th time, I'll have this epiphany, this Richard, do you even have a third step? Hmm. You know, I just, just running into that wall and having to ask myself that question, I can actually let it go and mean it. And that's the difference. And my experience has been that every time I have let go and really meant it, not just said it, but, but, but got it at the gut level, walk away and let, it, and let my higher power actually happen. It, without fail. It's always turned out way the hell better than I was going to try to manipulate it into being. Um, and, and that that seems to, I hear it again and again in these rooms, it seems to be like an immutable law of recovery that if, if we can actually get to that point, holy crap, things turn out wrong. One of the mechanisms that we talk about for letting go, and again, it's just a microcosm of these first three steps. You hear a lot about God boxes in these years. Anybody here have a God box? More than a few. From Hope for Today, page 338, I found it relatively easy to make a decision to turn over my will and my life to God. However, I didn't have any idea how to actually do it. I tried to turn myself over more times than a cook turns flapjacks at a pancake breakfast, but I just couldn't seem to let go completely. Finally, I found two techniques that worked for me, a God box and a basketball net. Why is Alamon never suggested the idea of a God box? I tested it and I felt perplexed about some calculations on my income tax form. On a small piece of paper, I wrote, the income tax forms are in your hands until tomorrow. I folded up the paper, put it in the box, and let go of it. It was that simple, and it actually worked. I was able to forget what I was obsessing about and get on with my day. I also use another letting go technique I call the basketball technique. This technique helps me to let go of work when I come home with my head full of unfinished business. There's a basketball hoop in our driveway. Before going into the house, I play one-on-one with my higher power. With each shot on the basket, I imagine the ball is one of my work projects. The hoop symbolizes my higher power. If the shot is good, then I've turned the issue over. If I miss, I keep shooting. Finally, the last thing I let go of is the ball. After I take this time for myself, I can go comfortably into the house and enjoy being a husband and a father. Doesn't that sound a whole lot? Either of those. Like that third step process? One of the cool things with God box I think somebody talking about once is uh, yeah. there, there's an inherent problem with the God box. That's the design of the box. You've got to make that hole small enough so that you can't reach it and take stuff out again. Because, let's face it, we're the kinds of people that are going to do that. <laughs> uh, my wife's sponsor talks about this. You know, she never let go of anything. didn't have claw marks on it. So one of the answers to that uh, that I heard explained, boy, does that sound, sound cool, is you don't use a God box. You use the toilet. <laughs> Same process. Write it down. Relegate it to, to that higher power. Put it in the toilet. But at that point, if you're going to reach back in and get it, you really, really didn't want to let it go. So tell me about God boxes. Who's got one? Yeah. How does that work for you? Good. It's just a, just a covered jar. Yeah. What happens when you when you put stuff, something in there? It's a relief. Yeah. That by itself, I mean, that that speaks to the power of the God box right there, or that idea of letting go. Because the minute I put something in it and really 
I'm really turning it over to that higher power. It's off my, my shoulders. It's that belief you're talking about. Yeah. This yes, for, for me, the, the whole God's off idea, I really use my journal for that. And I mm-hmm. find that in writing down what's disturbing me or whatever, there's a concreteness to that that really helps me. Try uh, well, when you let something go, something has to replace it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So try choosing love or caring or peace because that's your power, it's choice. But if you got if you if you're if you're hungry, angry and grumpy, and you let that anger and grumpy go, well, there's a whole bunch of angry and grumpy coming in right behind it. <laughs> Unless you make that conscious choice to say, hey, you know, I'm going to choose peace this time and see what follows. So the same thing as the grumpy thought, the peace will pull in another peaceful thought. True, and that's that's why for me that prayer that always has been for me has to include, you know, and please HP. Show me what you have me do. Tell me how you how you would have me do. Um, and sometimes I will add in there. And by the way, I'm really dense, so you need to make it really clear. <laughs> That's right. How does the put um, help me help others at the end? Because like in the big books of alcohol, it's anonymous. They talk about not just praying for yourself. So and that I, actually that gets right into where I wanted to go next. Okay. Because, um, because we have we have. A number of prayers that, that we talk about in these rooms that are directly helpful. This kind of thing. And it starts with the serenity prayer. Serenity prayer is all about letting go of the things I cannot control. There is serenity, except the things. Jeez, I, the serenity I cannot change. I cannot change. There we go. We're right out of my Courage change things I can't. Wisdom to know the difference. That, that discernment that we were talking about earlier today. I mean, that, that is, is part and parcel of that prayer. But, I mean, there's others as well. Um, one is, one of my favorites is a set-aside prayer. You know, the idea that uh, one of the things I need to set aside is the things I think I know. And it's, you know, help me to set aside the things I think I know so that I can have a new experience. Um, but another one is um, you probably you know, I think you probably heard me talk about this one is, is that idea of when my, my the shit has hit the fan <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that goes uh, along the lines of oh HP I, I am angry and I'm confused and I'm hurt and uh, I don't know which way to turn hmm. here's the deal I'm really starting to feel sorry for Richard please send me someone to help. And, you know, the funny thing is, I've never, ever had that prayer go unanswered. I mean, I've, I have prayed that prayer and had the phone ring as I finished it. The, that night that I was talking about earlier where, where my uh, youngest daughter announced that she was leaving, we had a meeting go to that night. We were okay. Yeah, we, we were among you. We went to the meeting, we were loved, we went home, everything was okay. By the same time the next night, on Friday night, I am starting to climb the walls. It's, it's working in my head and it will not go away. And I prayed that prayer. 
and I felt okay, and I went to bed, and I went to sleep, and at 8 o'clock the next morning, my phone rang. And I woke up by one of the guys that sponsored one. I really screwed up, and she's really mad at me, and I don't know what to do. Coffee's on, man, come on. And that, I mean, that's the way that that has worked for me, because the minute that, that I am, that I'm paying attention to the pain and, and the confusion and the fear of another human being, I'm letting go of fun. And that's where I need to be. Okay. I have one final thought for you. From Hope for today, page one love. Letting go of my loved one was a hard concept for me to grasp. I was confused at first about Alan's suggestions to detach, to let go and let God, and to turn my problems over to God. Wasn't I expected to solve my own and everyone else's problems, have all the answers, and support the behavior patterns no matter how destructive? How can I keep my family together? Alan has shown me that the answer lies not in letting go of people, but in letting go of my outworn, painful thinking patterns can replace them with honesty, openness, and willingness to change into a more positive person. It's possible for me to learn about the family disease of alcoholism. I am capable of studying and applying the 12 steps, traditions, and concepts of service to my daily life, as well as sharing and receiving experience, strength, and hope of meetings. There's also literature to read, service to offer, phone calls to make, and anniversary conventions to attend. All of these help me replace worry and control with the serenity that comes from letting go and letting God take care of anything where I have no power. For me, letting go is like a tree shedding its leaves in autumn. It must let go. I must, it must let go of them in order to grow and produce even more beauty in the following spring and summer. Letting go of what I do not truly need, whether it be old thoughts, things, or behaviors, makes room for new growth in my life. When I was going through this, looking for uh, going through a lot of literature, <laughs> looking for stuff for, for this workshop, that one just really. Uh, get home for me. I want to thank you for joining me here today. That's all I got for you. Uh, I hope you enjoy a little cartoon and handout. And, and, uh, <laughs> have, a good, have a good rest of the weekend. Thank you. Thank you.